Today my guest is Rose Luckin, Professor of Learner Centred Design at the UCL Institute of Education. Today our topic is intelligence and the role of artificial intelligence in education. So Rose, is artificial intelligence going to steal the jobs of teachers? I think there is a risk that we could face a situation in education where machines are brought in to do too much mm. of education. And, and let me explain why I say that, is that we have built very good artificially intelligent systems that can learn very quickly, very accurately. They don't get tired, they don't get sick, and they can learn academic knowledge, for example, which is largely what we still teach very, very effectively. Mm and certainly much faster than we can. Mm. Now, if you take that to its logical conclusion, then if we can build those systems to learn, and we also know we can build those systems to tutor effectively, the evidence about artificially intelligent tutoring systems in well-defined subject areas like maths and physics, mm. Um, but not exclusively language learning and, and other areas as well. The evidence shows that these systems can be as effective, if they're well designed, as a human teacher, okay. but not a human teacher acting one-to-one. -one. So gold standard is still a human teacher interacting individually with a learner. Mm. How many learners get that? Yeah, so we know we can build systems that tutor in this academic knowledge space as effectively as a teacher teaching a class. It takes time to build these systems and it's not cheap, but once you've built it, depending on the sorts of technologies you use, but using a mix of machine learning and some other sorts of artificial intelligence, you can build a system that will go on learning. Mm. Now, if what you prize in your education system is this academic knowledge and we can build systems that can teach this and can also learn it faster than we can you put yourself in a little bit of a tricky situation mm. because then I could understand somebody who's got an eye on the purse strings going so why do I need these humans mm. now of course I think that's an apocalyptic scenario, to be honest, certainly mm. dystopian. Um, and I don't think that's what we should do. But I think we need to recognise that if we don't change our perceptions about what we should be valuing within our education system, we do run the risk of handing over too much to artificially intelligent systems. So if we've got, if we're pushing a knowledge-rich curriculum... Absolutely. As we are, and we are actually, you know, you're still going to need some, some human intervention for behaviour control and pastoral relationships, but what you're saying is part of that curriculum, or at least part of that school experience, can be automated because of the evidence that suggests a computer can at least do the learning bit exactly. of that teacher's role. The, the computer well. can do the academic knowledge delivery, mm. if you like. Yeah in a very individualised way for each learner. So if you want a really dystopian scenario, imagine a classroom full of different sorts of technology. It wouldn't necessarily be screens and keyboards. It could be voice-activated interfaces. It could be virtual or artificial reality. Mm. Um, 
all helping the student to learn the academic curriculum and some bouncers. <laughs> that's the dystopian yeah, view. Yeah. I, that's not what I want. I don't think that'll happen. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. But you know, if you take it to its logical conclusion. So then uh, I look at it and I say, OK, human intelligence is about so much more than this. Mm. We need to now be very intelligent and look much more broadly mm. at, at what we require of our education systems so that we do more than academic knowledge. I mean, it's very interesting that some of the writing around the current knowledge-based curriculum approach is based on the same psychology as the original artificially intelligent oh, really? systems. Yes, people like Herb Simon and John Anderson. Mm. John Anderson's famous for his adaptive control of thought. So if you read writers like Daisy Christodoulou, she works, some of her work is based on that. It's all very nicely written, very plausible, very sensible, very well specified. Mm. Um, and for that reason, very automatable. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the parts that we can't automate, of course, are the human rich parts mm. that are vitally important for teaching and why we have to keep the human in the loop. Mm. Absolutely, we do. So if we look at, I, I see intelligence as a matrix of elements. So you would have your academic knowledge. That's the bit that's generally about subject areas and it's it's what a lot of what we do in, in education across the sectors is about, then you might build on top of that and say there's a sort of an understanding of what knowledge is, the more philosophical piece, and, and that helps us to understand what evidence is, mm. how we make judgments about whether something is true or not. That we don't do so much of, and actually I think we need to do more of, because we need people, when they're learning, people of all ages, we need them to understand that not, knowledge isn't something you're just given. Mm. You need to construct it for yourself. And you therefore need to understand what good evidence that something is true is, yeah. if you see what I mean. It, it, that's a really important part. It's also a part that, of course, AI doesn't have. So AI doesn't understand its knowledge. It has knowledge that it can retrieve, but it doesn't understand the knowledge. So it can contain it, but not necessarily understand what it has. Exactly. So we need people to understand what knowledge is, how you build knowledge, where it comes from, how to ask good questions, how to differentiate truth from fiction. Mm. These are really important. Then another element is social intelligence, the interactions. If we look at something like collaborative problem solving, something that was evaluated in the most recent PISA mm. studies, if we look at that, that's about collaboration, social interaction, problem solving, understanding the problem, unpacking the problem, doing it in collaboration with other people. That brings together all of those three things I've just talked about. Mm. Understanding of subject knowledge, Understanding about what knowledge is, what evidence is, how we justify things, how we might persuade one of our peers that we're working with that we're looking at it more effectively than they are mm. or, or whatever, or recognise that their version of what's going on is better than ours. Mm -hmm. And then there's the, 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 the way that we share that, the social part. So all those three elements are part of that collaborative problem solving set. Now, if we look at the data that came out of the PISA study, I mean, UK wasn't didn't take part in that evaluation this time. If you look at the country that came out on top, which is Singapore, 
even in Singapore, which does well in all of those PISA evaluations, mm. when it came to the higher levels of collaborative problem solving, less than a quarter of students in Singapore could achieve those. So even in countries where we recognise the education systems are very effective under our current evaluation schemes in that area, they're still struggling. Mm. But these are the things we'll need for the future. And then if you think beyond those three elements that I've talked about, the subject knowledge, understanding what knowledge is and, and evidence, and then the social intelligence, then there's a, a, a set of meta-intelligences which are about understanding ourselves. Mm. Again, something artificial intelligence can't do. So there's our, our emotions, our emotional connection to learning. There is evidence now from across the social sciences, from psychology, from neuroscience, that tells us the important link between how we feel and how we learn. It, it's kind of obvious that if you're not feeling great, you probably won't learn as yeah. effectively, but we have lots of scientific evidence about the connection between emotional state and learning. But then there's the understanding of our own emotions, that emotional intelligence piece. We need to understand that. We need to be able to interpret the people we're working with's emotions. Mm. We need to be able to interact effectively. Then there's the understanding of our physical experience in the world. Again, something at the moment artificial systems don't have. We're trying to create ones that have some of that. But I know that if I interact with my body, I will feel differently. Mm. If I'm squeezed in a tube carriage, I'll feel anxious, and, yeah. and that might affect how I, when I get to my lesson, how I learn. I've got to get rid of that anxiety, and that's been part of that physical connection. Mm. But we need to understand our physical intelligence, if you see what I mean. Yeah. It's not a very elegant phrase, physical intelligence, but, but we need to understand our uh, you know, the experience of the world as, as a, an embodied person. And then there's the metacognitive. So our understanding of our cognitive processes, of our intelligence, and this is fundamental to learning. We know that students who have better metacognitive skills will achieve better results, will do better in the world, because they are able to regulate themselves more effectively cognitively you know make sure they att pay attention when they need to recognize when they're being distracted able to plan able to to rise above what they're doing cognitively in terms of say solving a quadratic equation to the level of okay that one was hard I need some more help with that or mm, maybe I need to go back a bit understanding what they understand again something that artificial intelligence can't mm. do and then finally, I would say, and probably the most important element of, of human intelligence is perceived self-efficacy. What do I mean by that? I mean that I have an accurate perception of what I can achieve and how best I can achieve it, where I need to get some help in order to achieve it. Again, the evidence suggests that most of us actually have pretty inaccurate understanding of what we know and therefore how effective we're likely to be. And the more information we're given, the more we exaggerate our assessments of our own knowledge. 
So we need an accurate understanding of our knowledge, an accurate metacognitive understanding, but then we need to link that to our emotions to be effective, to be able to perceive if in a situation that's coming up, which might be a test or it might be solving a problem, how effective are we going to be? So in order to know that, we need to understand ourselves pretty well. Mm. But that is going to be, I think, the gold nugget for future employment. Because whilst we don't know, as educators, we're faced with a very difficult situation. Automation in the workplace is, without a doubt, changing the nature of jobs rapidly. And it's impossible to predict accurately which jobs will exist and which jobs won't. Lots of people are trying, and there's some really interesting work out there mm. about different types of skills we'll need and all this kind of thing, different sorts of knowledge, different sorts of capabilities. But actually, we don't know for sure. The only thing we can know for certain is that people will need to learn and be flexible. Mm. So it seems to me the most important thing we need to do now is help people to be good learners. Because if we can help people to be good at learning, and that means really understanding themselves accurately and understanding how to be effective, then we create people who can be effective in the workplace. Adaptive people, Precisely, basically. precisely, because they know, they understand, they can perceive, they can work with other people, they can solve problems. They, they, they know what they don't know, what they do know. How to put it all together and be flexible and adaptive and address the issues that need to be addressed. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, and I think the complexity of what you just described in terms of a... I mean, it depends, I guess, on how much of those areas you think a school is responsible for, first and foremost. I mean, how much does a parent have a role in self-efficacy or metacognition? Um, and then how teachers or schools see their role. I mean, at the moment, all the... All the um, all the rhetoric, if you like, is on knowledge-based curriculum, and you know we need to get these not this knowledge, these facts into these children, because those not that knowledge is the building blocks to others, other the other intelligences, if you like, uh, that you described. But I guess it's how that fits together and how effectively we're even meeting that. I mean, if school is, I mean, in schools, do you think at the moment we're too concentrated on the knowledge element and we are neglecting the other bits and pieces that you just talked about? I would actually say we don't focus enough on the knowledge, we focus too much on the information. Okay. I think we have to acknowledge that we have built artificial intelligence systems in our own image. Mm. We have built them to be very smart at the things we value yeah. in terms of academic knowledge. Okay, we've now built them so well they're better than we are at this. Yeah. So now what do we do about that? We can't go on teaching people the same things because we've now got systems that can learn faster. I mean, that's terribly demoralizing for anybody entering school at the moment. Mm. So we have to think differently. And I think we have to help actually address the knowledge piece of this. You know, what is the knowledge? Help people to understand that they need to ask the questions why. So you know, why does this number represent more than that number? Why do we solve quadratic equations in this way? Why 
does a cork float? Why? Which we do do in science, but we need to encourage more of that kind of questioning, more of the ability to judge what evidence is, mm. more of an understanding of what knowledge is, as opposed to helping people get the information. Yeah. So it's not easy, and it, in its, it, it's very easy for somebody like myself to sit here and criticise current approaches. And actually, what I'm trying to say is, I think they're very solid current approaches. It's just that they're so good, we've built machines that, that can do it better. So now we're facing a problem. But okay, so what do we do about that? Mm. And I think we have to sit back and say, okay, right, okay, what do we do about that? Well, we need people to understand what those machines are doing for a start, what they're good at, what they're not good at, mm. so that our humans can work effectively with the machines. So we have to really think very differently. And I think it is this looking at the bits of intelligence that we're not valuing enough within our systems and bringing them to the forefront. So it might be that we teach things differently mm. so that people gain a more adaptive and flexible appreciation of how knowledge is constructed so that once they know what the process is, they can then apply it in lots of different situations. We put a greater emphasis on helping people to know if an AI system provides a decision, say, should they believe that decision? Mm. Should they challenge that decision? How do they know if the computer says no, yes, or 15, <laughs> mm. that that might be the right answer? I think that's where we need to focus. So I actually think it needs to be more knowledge-based, but on knowledge and what knowledge is, not on information. So about knowledge rather than Exactly, which is different. Dates and, and about understanding ourselves. Now, this is the beauty of the current situation. There's always got to be a silver lining. Yeah. So we have these systems that can crunch immense amounts of data, and I mean really fine-grained data, about whether I've hovered over something with a mouse, whether I've clicked a key, how fast I'm moving the mouse, how fast I'm speaking, mm. am I pausing, am I reflecting? What are my movements, as well as, did I score this in a test? Mm. There's a whole load of different sorts of data that we can, with good, well-designed, artificially intelligent algorithms, look for signifiers of progress in understanding. Mm. If we help teachers and learners to see more of what's going on as the learning process is progressing through the way that we analyze the masses of data that are out there, then we help teachers and learners understand the progress the learner's making at a much more fine-grained level of detail than, say, a test would do. And the beauty of this is that we can also look for things like perseverance, which is obviously important. Mm. Do I give up easily? We can start to help build those all-important meta-intelligences because we can help the learner reflect on what they're doing. We can help teachers be the best teachers. We can help learners be the best learners. That's how we should be using artificial that intelligence. That doesn't necessarily mean a child sat at a computer, for example. No. That could mean just a camera watching a classroom. Absolutely. You might not see evident computers much at all. Mm. It could all be voice activated. You know, there's a lot we can do. But where we need to be putting the effort is on using artificial intelligence to crunch the data to help us be more intelligent. Mm. That's the important thing. 
us as teachers, us as learners, that's how we need to use it. Then there's no way that that horrible dystopian story that I told earlier yeah. is going to happen because we will understand enough about the AI and we will understand so much more about ourselves and that will make us more powerful learners and more powerful teachers, more powerful citizens. So it has to be across the piece. We have to engage with parents. Parents are fundamental to the success of this. Mm. And, and, and parents are also workers in the economy and they're going to be facing the same thing. They're going to be needing to learn about artificial intelligence as well. And I don't mean coding. I really don't mean coding. Coding is the easy bit yeah. in comparison to everything else. And you know, one of the things that we can already do and we will be able to do more of is actually build systems that can code for themselves. Mm. You know, that that the code is is the is the easy bit. It it's the design of the programs. The what should we let the systems do? The understanding of the problems we're facing, unpacking those problems intelligently, human intelligently, mm -hmm. and then saying, okay, where should we use the AI? Where should we use the HI? That's what we need to do. And that means involving everybody in that. Because as I say, parents are gonna have to learn about AI, children are gonna have to learn about, let's all learn about it. Mm. But that's what we need to do as a society. There's a piece in um, Wired a couple of years ago where I think it was the ex-editor of Wired wrote about the fact that teachers are going to become so key for that reason because coders are going to be, they're going to code themselves out of a job. What you actually need is teachers to teach the machines and those teaching skills and he was talking about this awakening in Silicon Valley and beyond of, of, an, of a, oh hang on, we need teaching skills to teach computers as well as to teach humans. Absolutely. I. If we get this right, educators will be fundamental to the future in the way they are now, but even more so. Mm. We will prize educators because they will be able to teach both the machines and the humans. Mm. We will prize them because they will understand the relationship between the artificial intelligence and the human intelligence. If you like, you know, they will be our intelligence mm. mentors. Mm. And so education is even more important and therefore we need better informed educators. We have to get the educators in the loop on the way these systems are being designed. You know, they need a much louder voice in what's being designed. We need them to help us sit down and say, okay, we've got this problem. We've built these really intelligent systems, can do all this stuff that we currently teach. You know, what should we do about this? How, how should we tackle this? Mm. What are the things we need in society? How, how do we put this together? We need teachers in that conversation. And then we need to see, well, okay, so we've unpacked this problem in this way. So maybe we look at social mobility. That's obviously a key problem at the moment and I think the sorts of skills and knowledge that we need people to understand are not equally available across the education system. So we could look at social mobility as a starting point. If we could unpack what's going on as an individual progresses in their learning, we might be able to shine a light on skills, knowledge, abilities that don't currently show up in our methods of assessment that might help learners who don't fit the current box, if you know what I mean, mm. shine. We might help them to understand their strengths 
and their weaknesses so that they can become more effective at, at learning and therefore have a better, a better life chance. So I think there's so much we can do, but we need to look at what the key problems and challenges in education are, sit down as an interdisciplinary group and say, okay, how do we unpack the problem? When we've unpacked the problem enough, now where do we use AI? Mm. Which are the bits that AI can do and not do? And that means that we have to help our educators understand enough about AI to have a valid voice in that conversation so that, that they're not, opinion. exactly, <laughs> so that they're not bamboozled by the technicians and the technical experts. That would be a really bad outcome. You know, teachers have a very, very important voice in this and we need to help them have that voice and not feel, yeah, overpowered by the technology expertise of others mm. because their point of view is going to make the key difference as to whether we do this well or whether we do this badly. So the issue reminds me a little bit of the chat I had with Dr. Catherine Asprey about genetics and she was saying that because of the uh, eugenics connection, that's always used as, an, as a reason not to talk about genetics. And in a, sim in a similar way, I guess, at the AI con uh, conversation is continually closed down by, well, 21st century skills don't exist, we don't know what the jobs of the future are, if you look at history, automation hasn't really made that much difference so far to jobs, and so, f so we don't talk about it. I mean, what's, what's your response to that? I mean, when you see those arguments, is it, you know, what's your initial reaction? I, I think the debate between knowledge and skills is very unhelpful. I, I agree with um, Daisy about this. Knowledge and skills are intertwined. They're not. It's not one or the other. You, you can't have the knowledge without the skills. Skills without knowledge. That you know. But I think it's about a higher level of knowledge mm. and skills, and and I and that's much more about understanding ourselves which is about being prepared for the 21st century, but I wouldn't want to call it 21st century okay. skills. So I, th I think that's an unhelpful debate because it polarizes people in an unhelpful way. We really can't get away from the fact that we have built these very clever systems, but they're only clever in a very particular sort of a way. Mm. We need to recognize that. To fail to recognize that is not intelligent, shall we say. Mm. Having recognised that, then let's look at what we do about it without saying, oh, but we've always done this. Well, okay, but in the same way we'd always woven cloth by hand and then we invented looms and then we invented even faster looms. Mm. We didn't go back and say, oh, but we've always done it this way. Mm. You know, we moved with the times. We have to move with the times. We have to accept the success that we've got in building machines that can do this stuff. And they are changing the workplace. I mean, if you look at paralegal work is a great example. If you look at AI in the health services, if you look at the, you know, IBM Watson being used all over the place, there's lots of different versions of IBM Watson. It can do lots of different things very effectively. I think the argument that AI hasn't changed the workplace is not, um, I would question the evidence for that. Mm. Would I, haven't seen so much evidence for is that we've become more productive as a result of the automation to date. And I would suggest that might be because we don't understand enough about the relationship between artificial and human intelligence. So we haven't 
learnt how to take the best advantage of the automation and AI that mm. we've done so far. And that's something we need to do more of. So we do, you know, as a matter of urgency, we need not just students in schools, but people being trained in the workplace, people working in the workplace, to understand enough about AI to use it effectively for work and in their leisure. And it's not about coding. We really have to get away from this idea that it's about computer science and coding. Yes, we need some people to want to do that computer science AI piece. Absolutely, we need good engineers, we need good computer scientists, we need good, good people who understand the technology. I'm not saying we don't need those. Mm. I'm just saying we don't need everybody to be that. But we do need everybody to understand enough about AI to use it effectively. And even more important, we need everyone to understand enough about AI not to put themselves at risk, to understand enough about what they're consenting to when they're using an AI system to give their informed consent. Mm. Otherwise, they may end up saying yes to something, yes to their data being used for something, yes for their data being processed in a particular way without really understanding what they're agreeing to. And I think that's very worrying and something that we need to address as a matter of urgency. So there's the kind of knowing about AI as separate from the using AI to help us be smarter. It's interesting when you were saying we don't use AI effectively at the moment. The first thought that came to my head was we've invented the light bulb, put it in a mine, and they're still using candles in our, in our homes. Yes, that's, a, that's an interesting way of putting it. I mean, and is yeah, it that bad? Have we literally created something that we, we don't understand to the level where we're not, we're not fully benefiting from it at all, really? I think... We are benefiting from it, and you've got to look at searching for information on the internet and knowing how much that's improved. I write a lot now using um, dictation because the, it's so good. Mm. That's improved enormously, and that's AI. So I have a book coming out in June about intelligence, and um, I, most of it I dictated for the first time ever. Wow which was really interesting as an experience for me. But I thought, well, you know, it's about intelligence, it's about AI, I better use the AI What an interesting capacity that is for, for children with Zen in the system, and particularly those children who, you know, perhaps f for any reason really, don't perform as well in, in There's writing There's so classes. much we could do for um, special education. There's so much we could do using AI, from the individualized tuition, Voice active, in activated interfaces, virtual and virtual reality, and augmented reality. With artificial intelligence behind it, there's a lot we could do. Mm. Um, yes, I think that's an area that is a very important focus where we can solve some hard problems. And do you, you know, we talked right at the beginning. If we go back to that about bias in AI systems and and bias bias of knowledge, and you know, one of the big things now about the knowledge-rich curriculum is whose curriculum is it? Do we still need to, you know, some people might may listen to that and say, well, is she arguing that we don't teach in the way we're teaching in the terms of building this knowledge throughout school? Is she saying that we don't need to know 1066, who invented the light bulb? Uh, why Northern Ireland? The, the situation in Northern Ireland. That that sort of cultural capital. That, that body of knowledge, we're handing that over to machines. Is that, that's not exactly what you're saying? No, no, it's not what I'm saying. Um, 
to get a few things straight. Numeracy, literacy, fundamental can't, you know, have to have mm. that. But we need information and knowledge literacy as well. So it's a different way of looking at things. It's about teaching in different ways so that knowledge is part of a problem solution process. So if I think I understood you correctly, you talked about knowing what a light bulb was, who had invented it, mm. but then you said why mm. the problem in Northern Ireland is as it is. True, yeah. That why is what we need to focus on. Mm. And yes, of course you need the building blocks to get there. But we have to look at things and say, now we've built these systems that can do this, how do we, what, what's our relationship to those systems? Where do we say, okay, we don't need everybody to know what happened in 1066. But we do need them to know how to find that out mm -hmm. and how to make judgments about whether what a machine is telling them about 1066 are true or not. Mm. Do you see what I mean? It's a different relationship. And it's not easy, and I'm not suggesting that it's easy, but the harsh reality is that we've built these machines that can do this, mm. and therefore we can't go on doing the same thing. It makes no sense, because we're never going to be as fast as they are. Mm. So we have to do something slightly different that's complementary to what the systems we've built can do, but that uses parts of our intelligence that are not part of that machine. So we certainly need to understand even more about what knowledge is. So as I say, it's a more knowledge-based curriculum, mm. but in a different way. Mm. And I guess that's the impact on the school system at that point is, is, is prioritization rather than transformation. It's yes. what we prioritize in the yes. system. Yes, and I think you know a lot of the prioritization would actually need initially to be about what artificial intelligence is. Because if you start looking at that, then you're also looking at what knowledge is. Mm. Because if you understand what the systems can do, how they process the information, how they come up with their decisions, then you start to understand more about what knowledge is. We need to get people away from the position of believing knowledge is something that's just given to them. We need them to take a much more active role in the construction of knowledge, and that means they need to understand what knowledge is. I remember many years ago walking along the Euston Road and going past the British Library and seeing a sign that said, come in, knowledge freely available here. <laughs> and it made me so cross, because there is no knowledge freely available there. Information is freely available there that people can construct knowledge from. Mm. But they need to understand the difference and they need to know how to do that knowledge construction process. They need to know they are doing it and they need to know when they've done it successfully and when they haven't done it successfully. And if they haven't done it successfully, they need to know how they might do it more successfully and where to go to get the help they need to do it more successfully. I think that's a nice place to end. Thank you, Rose. Thank you, John.